Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 28. And it reads, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as, by, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God. The Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is, he is accept, accepted who put all things in subjection under, his, under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This morning, we have gathered together to celebrate the most significant event in the history of mankind, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, oftentimes people are given to hyperbole. They exaggerate, they overstate certain situations, such as the diner that posts the world's best coffee. Or even if you think of the World Series as determining who is the best uh, baseball team in the entire world and only Americans uh, participate in it. That's a bit arrogant. Uh, but we're the best in the world. Forget, forget about playing about other countries. Well, it's easy to overstate many, many situations. You always, you and people don't always, is it an overstatement to say that the most significant event in the history of mankind is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? There have been some pretty important events down through the ages. Wars, natural catastrophes, interventions. But I don't care what it is, what event, what activity, what personage, 
that you may come up with, there is nothing that is more significant in the history of mankind than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ affects all of creation. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes every aspect of everything he ever created. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a new heaven, there's going to be a new earth. So it's going to be a transformation of everything that God had ever created. It is impossible to overstate the significance of Christ's resurrection. Everything we believe as Christians hinges upon the reality of the body of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very core of the Christian faith. It is foundational to the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 1, it says this, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins and according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an integral part of our faith. The Old Testament Sabbath worship of God was changed from Saturday to Sunday because of the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, because he came forth from the grave on that first day of the week. Now, of course, not everyone believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are irreligious people who give no credence at all to even the existence of God. Then there are world religions who do not worship Jesus, and they too do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what is even more striking is that there are people that call themselves Christians who do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is to that group that this passage is directed. There were a group of people in the church at Corinth who said that there was no resurrection. Unfortunately, there are peoples gathered together today, Christian in name, identifying themselves with Christ, who do not believe that Jesus came forth bodily from the dead. I can remember as a child listening to a sermon by Robert Schuller, And it struck me, even as a about 12-year-old, as I listened to the sermon, that he said, it doesn't matter if Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It only matters what you believe. And as a 12-year-old, that made no sense to me. And as we look at the Word of God today, we will see that, indeed, that makes absolutely no sense. My theme this morning is that Christianity is meaningless if Jesus did not rise from the dead. If you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we begin at verse 14. 
And if Christ, if Christ is not risen, then preaching is empty and void of truth. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Paul's preaching focused upon the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice back in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, he said, For I delivered to you as of first importance, of the greatest significance, the most important thing that I can tell you, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So Paul's preaching had no value if Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead. What we preach is the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the dead at his living and his at his uh, uh, kingdom and at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be diligent in season and out of season. What we preach is the word of God. And if you notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it states, For I delivered to you first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins, and now this statement, in accordance with the scriptures. Then verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and now the same statement, in accordance with the Scriptures. He's referring here to the Old Testament. He's referring to those books of the Bible that existed before Jesus was even born. And he said that those books attest to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he was preaching the Word of God. Paul says, if Christ did not rise, our preaching is in vain. We have nothing to say. And the Bible is just a book of myths. Secondly, if Christ did not rise, then faith is groundless, illusionary, and meaningless. Notice verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And now these words, and your faith is in vain. Your faith is meaningless, empty, useless, worthless, all tied up in this word vain. The power of faith is not faith itself, but it is in the object of faith. It is not simply about what we believe, it's whether or not there's basis in reality to what we believe, whether there is substance in what we believe. All too often, faith is viewed individually and pragmatically, just as Robert Schuller was proclaiming that it matters not whether Jesus came forth from the tomb, it only matters what you believe. Oftentimes, People will say such things as, does your faith work for you? It 
is your faith meaningful to you? People will talk about your truth, my truth. But faith must have a reality. Faith, if it has no reality, if it has no objective truth, faith is no different than a sugar pill. You know, when they do these blind studies to test drugs, they give people the real drug, and then they give people a placebo, a, fate, a, a, a false pill. Nothing that has any medicinal purpose whatsoever. And then what they do is they study the results. What happens to the people that take the true medicine? What happens to the people that take the placebo? The whole point of the study is to see if there's value in taking the medicine. If this medicine can actually produce cure. If it can't, it's no better than the placebo. But the reason that the, the, the test has value is because taking the placebo won't work. No matter how much the person is taking that medicine and believing that they're going to get better, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't have medicinal value to it, it's not going to help. Well, faith in Christ if Christ is not risen, is no better than a placebo. It can't address our real spiritual disease. Oh, it can give people comfort for a while, just like a placebo can. Oh, it can make people feel more comfortable, but ultimately the hope would prove to be false. The disease would take over. In this instance, the disease of which our passage is speaking is that of our sins. Notice verse 17. If Christ is not risen, then there is no basis for the forgiveness of sins. Your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If Christ did not rise, then God did not accept the sacrifice of Jesus' death. He was crucified because of our sin. He was raised for our justification. Justification means to be declared righteous. To be declared righteous. The righteousness of Christ is seen in the resurrection. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of sin is death, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's actually his triumph over death, over Satan, over evil, that brings about our forgiveness. Not just that he died, but that he rose again and is demonstrated to be acceptable to the Father by being at the Father's own right hand. The scripture says, if Christ did not rise, you are yet in your sins. This teaches us a very important truth implicitly. 
For it does not say, if Christ did not rise, you may be still in your sins. But rather, he says absolutely, that if Christ did not rise, you are in your sins. Now, how can he say that? Answer, because the only way out of our sins is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other means by which sin can be forgiven. None of the other world religions can truly take away sin. No amount of effort that people put forth, no matter how they seek to turn over a new leaf or change their ways or start anew or whatever instrumentality that you can think of, to remove sin is worthless. If that were not so, Christ never would have come into this earth. God would never have sent his son. Jesus would never have hung upon that cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If Christ did not rise, we are still in our sins. Jesus was nothing more than a moral teacher, and that teaching died with him. We would still be unforgiven. We'd still be under condemnation. We'd still be alienated from God and we'd still be lost. Further, if Christ is not risen, there is no eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Jesus have perished. Jesus said to Martha when Lazarus had died, she went out to meet Jesus. And Jesus comforted Martha and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. If Christ has not risen, there is no comfort concerning the death of our loved ones. Jesus said to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. If Jesus did not rise, he did not go to the Father. If Jesus did not rise, he is not there. If Jesus did not rise, he is not coming back. And if Jesus did not rise, he is not taking us to be there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, a marvelous portion of scripture that speaks of the believer's comfort. The, in the middle, uh, at the end of 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 14, it says, comfort one another with these words. What are these words that we are to be comforted by. Well, Paul writes and says, I would not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that you sorrow not as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, when Jesus returns first those that are in the grave are going to come forth bodily. And then those who are still alive are going to be caught up together to be with him. And so we will ever be with the Lord, First Thessalonians 4. 
It all hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fifthly, if Christ is not risen, then the apostles and those in the early church were liars. Notice verse 15. We, it says, are even found to be misrepresenting God. We are found to be false witnesses. We are found to be liars. Why? Look with me at 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, that he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So Paul lists these people to whom the resurrected Christ appeared. Cephas, the twelve, five hundred at one time, and then ultimately to Paul himself. And he simply says, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, they're all liars. They're all liars. They are all liars. And if they are all liars, their lives make no sense. The Apostle Paul, before he was an Apostle Paul, was a very devout Jew. And as a very devout Jew, he opposed the Christians and their proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul gives his own testimony in Galatians chapter 1 when he says this, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Paul, before he became Paul, when he was known as Saul, was a very devout Jew. He was putting Christians to death. He was moving up the ranks of Judaism. He was a leader in the nation, member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jewish people. And then Paul said that while on the road to Damascus to, pers to persecute the Christians there, he had persecuted all that he could in Jerusalem, and now he was moving out, and now he's going to Damascus. On his way to the road of Damascus, the resurrected Christ appeared to Paul. And from that moment on, Paul was a changed individual. And instead of now putting to death those that proclaimed that Jesus had risen from the dead, he now joins the chorus and enters in and proclaims that Jesus has, has risen from the dead. When you see a Peter who before the cross denies even knowing who Jesus is. When you see a, a Peter who is forlorn and runs from the cross. 
And after the crucifixion is just going about his old ways and goes back to fishing again, then encounters the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, and Peter becomes a changed man. And the one who before was even unwilling to acknowledge to be a follower of Jesus now is going to be willing to die for Jesus. And in fact does. He dies for his faith, being persecuted. What explains the transformation in the lives of these people if it weren't the resurrection? Number six, if Christ is not risen, then the apostles and Christian martyrs died for nothing. Look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We are of all people most to be pitied. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. If our faith only has meaning for today and not for eternity, Paul says we are to be the most pity. These early Christians had nothing to gain from claiming that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were not benefiting socially. They were not benefiting financially. Paul worked as a tent maker to support himself while he preached. Not only did Paul not have anything to gain by preaching the resurrection of Christ, he had everything to lose. He lost his status. He lost his importance. He lost his significance. He lost his standing among the Jewish leaders. He was the, one of the most well-educated men of his day that would now be viewed as foolish. He said, of all people, we are most to be pitied. You see, if Christ is not risen, we too should be pitied. We're sitting here deceived and disillusioned. We're giving our monies for things of no value. We're proclaiming a message that can't help anyone. And we're making sacrifices as we think about eternity and living with God. That can be very depressing. That's very gloomy. However, that's not the end of the matter. Enough of that foolish talk. For we hit 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. All these things that we were talking about are not true. For the truth is that Jesus rose from the dead. Verse 20, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That not only will Jesus rise from the dead, but because he rises, we will rise too. So now we find out that all these hypothetical statements, these if-and statements, are not true, we can boldly assert, first of all, 
that since Christ has risen from the dead, our preaching has substance, meaning, and relevance. We have something to say that is true. The verse after that section in 1 Corinthians that states, Death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The strength of sin is death. The strength of the law. Uh, <clears throat> but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The next verse is, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not meaningless. It has value. Since Christ has risen from the dead, our faith is based upon a living hope. We will not be disappointed. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in a reality. Since Christ has risen from the dead, our faith results in the forgiveness of sins. Since Christ has risen from the dead, we can have eternal life through placing faith in Jesus. Since Christ has risen from the dead, the gospel witnesses are reliable. The scriptures are trustworthy. Since Christ has risen from the dead, there is great reward in serving him. Since Christ is risen from the dead, the benefit in dedicating one's life to the service of the Lord is true. Since Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, we are to be viewed as the most blessed people upon the face of the earth. Not to be pitied, but to be envied. What a joy we have. 1 Thessalonians 4 said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that you sorrow not as others who have no hope. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. As Christians, we suffer. As Christians, it's difficult to say goodbye to a loved one. It's painful. There's that intense sense of separation. There's loneliness. The process of death is never something to look forward to. We gather together here on Monday, Thursday. Even Jesus did not look forward to the process of dying. It troubled him. Even though he was absolutely certain that he was going to be in the presence of God. Even though that he knew it's the process. It's, it's the dying that's so difficult. But the scripture says, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He looked before. You know, as, as the family gathers, and there's going to be much tear shedding, and much difficulty, there still is a basis for rejoicing and hope. And that is that Bruce Aldhouse is now in the presence of God. 
And because Jesus rose from the dead, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth, he will rise also. And will be with all of those saints that have died down through the ages. And they will be raised. And any Christian who is still alive when Christ returns, they are caught up with them into the clouds to be with the Lord. That's not just wishful thinking. That's truth. That's not just a placebo to get them through the next two weeks and year or two. There's substance to that hope. They will never be disappointed. When they die, they will experience these truths. They will not have lived, they will not have believed in vain. So there's reason to rejoice this morning. As we close, I have just a couple of questions for you. The first is, what do you believe about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? The scripture says that we need to believe in the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. That is the means by which we are saved. Without believing in that, our faith is in vain. So I certainly hope that you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And as you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you also couple with that the belief that when Jesus died, the reason that he died was to take upon sins, including my sin. And that you've asked Jesus to forgive you your sins based upon his death and resurrection. You've made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I hope that can be said of you this morning. And if you do know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and you do believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then you have reason to rejoice this morning. To rejoice with joy unspeakable. Because the greatest event in the history of mankind has taken place. Jesus came forth from the dead. Let's pray. Almighty God, I pray for any that are here this morning who have never trusted in Christ. May your spirit work within them. May you bring them unto the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, we rejoice today that our faith is not in vain. Lord, we rejoice that there is truth, assurance, confidence in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you that Jesus died and rose again and is coming back to this earth to establish his kingdom. We praise you and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.